0: Would you like to become a high-level influencer yourself? Well, don't miss out. Go over to com and grab your free copy of our latest book, not surprisingly called The Book of Public Speaking this book will take you through what I share based on what I've learned as a speaker on stages for close to 20 years. It also shares interviews with some of the top speakers and speaking related professionals that I've had the pleasure to spend the time with. And in in addition, it includes quotes in the back by other speakers around why they get into speaking, their favorite speaking tips and strategies they use to get more stages. So if you're wanting to become another and a better influencer then feel free to grab this book it'll teach you more than just speaking but if you're wanting to get on stages and you leverage that as an influence tool then look no further again the book of public speaking.com now i hope you enjoy the show Everybody, it is Corey Poirier. Really excited to be back with the latest edition and latest episode of the show. Also really excited to have a first-time guest with us today. Our listeners know I love bringing on brand new guests to the show. Uh, so Barry, like that, really excited to have you here today. And Barry, where we usually like to start with this show is to get uh, you to tell us a little bit about your... I'll say your backstory and journey, but when I say that, some people are like, oh, do you mean like when I was born in the hospital from there on? Uh, Uh, I I
1: think we we could start at a pretty logical place, Corey. You know, have you ever had an experience where your life changed in just seconds?
0: I've had a few of those in my life. I can't say many, but I've had a few.
1: Okay. Well, my life changed on a beautiful spring day in 2003. I was walking in Disney World with my wife, Lucy, and she turned to me and she said, what's wrong with you, Hun? Now, that's a funny statement. You're walking in a beautiful place like that. And she literally turned to me and said, what's wrong with you, Hun?" I was confused. And I said, what do you mean? She said, your foot is flapping. I, I said, dear, Derek, what, what, what do you mean by flapping? She said, listen to your foot. Well, my foot had suddenly developed a foot drop. It was slapping audibly on the pavement. So with each step I took, I was walking with a flap, and she was quite right. My wife insisted, when we get back, you're going to get checked up. And when she says it in that tone of voice, you know you better listen. So when I got back, I did the million-dollar workup. I did brain scans, CAT scans, scan scans, you name it. And, And you know what they showed, Corey? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. The doctors were amazed. They said, Maybe you have a slip disc. Maybe you have a brain tumor. So they kept looking. And then finally, I was called into a neurologist's office. And he turned to me and said, You better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, What's wrong? He said, You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and you're going to be dead in six months. And I was shocked. I, I mean, my life had just changed in seconds. And I turned to him and I said, is there a way to make this diagnosis? He said, yes, absolutely. He said, we could do an autopsy. And I said, are you crazy? There's no way you're going to do an autopsy for me to, to to prove you wrong. So then I basically started on a journey, Corey. I started on a journey to find out what was wrong. I looked everywhere. I. I You know, when you go to the end, Corey, your life all of a sudden takes a lot of different significance and your brain starts to change and you start to look. Well, I turned to the internet and I found a doctor by the name of Dr. David Marks that had a story very similar to mine, except he had deteriorated much more quickly and to the point that his head couldn't come off the pillow and he was dying. A lot of doctors came to see him because he was so well known. And a doctor from Texas came up to Sam and said, David, I don't think you have ALS. He said, what do I have? He said, I think you have chronic Lyme's disease. It's the bite of a tick. And if I'm right, I'm going to start you on antibiotics. And I'm going to make you better. Well, David said, well, go ahead. And you know, like Lazarus, he literally arose from the dead. He literally got out of his bed, started walking. And that's when I knew, look, I got to get in touch with this David. So I phoned him, I got in touch with him at a hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where he was working. He said, Barry, I need to see you. I think history is repeating itself. I've started a clinic to treat people like you. Come on down. Now this was Thanksgiving Day in 2003, the the day before Thanksgiving. And I said, no, I can't come. He said, aren't there any planes in Canada? Get on a plane and come see me. And I turned to my wife and I said, wife, uh, dear, I'm not going to be here with our 30 guests. She said, of course not. You need to get this checked out. So I got on the plane. And the plane ride was the worst ride that you could ever imagine, Corey. It was up and down like a roller coaster. When you get on a plane going from Edmonton to Colorado Springs, there's eddies of air. It's coming off the desert. It's like dropping 300 feet in two seconds. And when I got off that plane, I was almost dead. I crawled off the plane, and there was David to meet me on the tarmac. Back then, you could do that. You could go on the tarmac and meet somebody. And so he took me to a restaurant. We talked for hours. And he said, Barry, I think you have chronic Lyme's disease. And it's because of this, I'm still here today. And I'm still living and functioning and breathing. And it was, it was the, the point in my life that changed. It was the turning point. And I started going on a journey and figuring out what the best things in life were about. And I found the 20 golden pearls that really could help anybody in their life. And I can take anybody through those pearls and help them without the strain and stress that I've gone through. Because everybody has gone through an emotional journey. Everybody has gone through a point in time where they have had a lot of stress. Perhaps they're ill. Perhaps they've gone through life experiences that were important. But at the same time, Corey, I can help them in the way that I've been helped
0: wow so many directions we could go from there barry the the chronic Lyme disease i mean this is at a time especially 2003 where they were saying it's not possible to even have lyme's disease in canada and you know,
1: Corey, unfortunately that's not true the problem with chronic Lyme's disease is a very difficult diagnosis to make, and it's a great mimicker of every other disease out there. And so, a lot of people have been afflicted by this disease. A lot of these people have been affected. A lot of these people ha- are out there, and uh, you know, even doctors don't like this diagnosis because it's a very hard diagnosis to make, and it's a very costly disease to treat. So, it's something that. Doctors themselves don't like a diagnosis like this because it's like fighting a phantom.
0: Mm. Well, and having said that, uh, like whenever it happened for you, did you know that you were bit? Like, did you?
1: You know, looking back, I lived in Minneapolis for three years. Minneapolis is an endemic focus of uh, Lyme's disease. In fact, many of the first cases of Lyme's disease were discovered across the border in Wisconsin. And there are thousands of cases there. Now, Lyme disease is a bite of a tick, and ticks get spread by the migratory birds. And so they go throughout, and they love to live on deers and moose and and things like that. So we have a fairly large population. A big study in Alberta actually showed the tick was very prevalent.
0: Wow. So, you know, Barry, where I'd like to go from there, which, though, relates to that, is, you know, when you went through that diagnosis, Meaning, finally figuring out what it was. What you know, what went through your mind was it? Was it like a, a relief that now I at least know what it is? Was it you know that doctor that said I could, you could be dead in six months? Was it like oh my god, like what would happen?
1: Well, I, if I, I think one of the biggest things is that when you go through that, there's both relief, but also there's a lot of bitterness. You have a lot of hurt for that doctor, and I think one of the biggest things people have to learn in their life is forgiveness. And even though you may be very angry, even though you may be bitter about things that have, that have come about and, and the way that it was handled, I, I think one of the biggest things you can do is to let go. I, I think forgiveness is a very, very important thing a person can do, and it helps with the healing process. I, I think forgiveness is one of those golden pearls that people must take and learn from. You know, uh, Mandela, when he was in prison, stated he had to let it go. Otherwise, it would have consumed him. And he said by forgiving the people that putting him in jail, it wasn't for the people that put him in jail. It was for himself. And that lifts the burdens off your soul and allows you to heal and get to another level.
0: Wow. So... Barry, we like to ask certain questions and then I go with intuition for others. Uh, This is one of those questions I like to ask most of the guests we bring on the show. Uh, But, and this is a big jump from our, our discussion that we're having right now, but I'd love to know who inspires you.
1: You know, I think inspiration is a very, very unique individual thing. And I think inspiration, for a large part, comes from within. I think inspiration is something that we get some inspiration from others, and they're guideposts to help us along the way. But individually, I think deep down inside, there's a little voice, a little hunger that goes on. And I find that hunger has always been with me throughout my life. I've always tried to do my best and learn my best and always tried to do my best. And I think that's a voice that needs to be cultivated deep down inside. But at the same time, there's people in your environment that that help you with that. And they are the guideposts along the way that help to show you some of those things. And When I look back and I I look at people that have been extremely successful, there's a public speaker by the name of Brendan Burchard who went through a life-altering experience where he almost died in a car accident. And from that, he grew and learned and started a whole enterprise where he's been helping people for a number of years. And he has literally millions of followers in in his thing. I, I think that's somebody that should be looked up to and somebody that should be admired. But I think you should look at everybody around you. I think uh, there's many people that I've helped along the way that have really taught me a lot. I, people that I've helped with bad burns and bad scars along the way. One of those is uh, the person that we you know well, Kelly Farladeau, who I've helped to live a better life because she was so badly scarred. We were able to remove some of those scars. Now, there is a person that I really look up to. There is a person that I think has really done a lot. There is a person that is helping give back even though her life could have been destroyed by a very bad turn of events. I think that is something that we need to look up to and also learn from.
0: Wow. What about mentors? Cause you mentioned people that we learn from that you've helped that have helped you. Do you believe it's important for us to either be mentors or have mentors or both?
1: I think mentors are a very, very important part of life. I think they're the guideposts. I think they're people that you look to and and help you along the way. You know, in my life, I've had many mentors in my medical profession that have helped me become a great doctor and and uh, do a great thing with. Some of them are my partners for a number of years. Uh, in my own personal life, I think mentors are all around, and and I look to people like Tony Robbins that has been a very very positive influence for millions of people and how he really came from nothing and built himself to the point of being a very positive force. I looked even to you, how you've turned around your life and really uh, changed things. And I think you've been a very positive force. And I look to how giving you are and helping people along the way and passing the message along and helping people with very simple things. And, and those are very, very big driving forces.
0: Oh, wow. Well, thank you. That's that's very humbling, Barry. I so appreciate that. Uh, now, to go for a second back to what you talked about earlier about these uh, 20 pearls of wisdom. Um, can you share a couple or a few of those with us? Is that in a book? or? How, you know, well, you...
1: I, I'm in the process of writing a book called The Secrets of Living a Fantastic Life. It's not there yet. It's being edited. We're going through a, a second phase and a third phase of it. But it's it's in its conceptual form. And I'll go through a couple of those. Do you know what one of the most potent forces in the universe is, Corey?
0: I do not. Or I might, but I don't know that I do.
1: Well, and I, I think there's probably several of them, but one of the most important is laughter and humor. Why? Well, you know, there's, humor does things that you cannot do otherwise. It's the antidote for stress, pain, and conflict. Nothing works faster and more consistently to bring your mind and body into the same plane than a good laugh. Humor lightens your burdens, gives you hope, and connects you to others. And it keeps you grounded, focused, and alert. And on a business level, several surveys have found that over 91% of executives believe a sense of humor is important for
0: career advancement. Wow. Now, here's a follow-up to that, just before you give us some more pearls then, Barry, Do you believe that we can, and I don't mean this in like a very... uh, rigid way but can we schedule time for humor like is that important do you think like maybe it's watching
1: i I think humor is best when spontaneous i I think you've got to look for the humorous side of life you've got to look for the little uh things that happen and make them funny Uh, like every day when i'm dealing with technology I, I think the gremlins are out. I, I think the gremlins are everywhere because they tend to get into everything. So I, I think a good thing is just to acknowledge it and say, good morning, gremlins. How are you today? And, and laugh at them and, and have a good time with them. I, I think just making fun of people is a, is a very fun thing to do. And I, I think laughing and enjoying life is something we don't do enough. We're all so serious all the time, Corey. And, and I'm a very serious person. But I think we go overboard with
0: that. Yeah, so great. I just thought I'd ask that because I know my girlfriend and I watch stand-up comedy, not daily or anything, but, you know, once, maybe once a week or what have you. And we get a big dose of laughter, if we get the right comic, of course, but a big dose of laughter over like an hour and a half. And you always hear that, you know, one laugh is more powerful than 10 frowns or whatever. So I think if you're doing laughing like that for an hour and your head's sore and your face is sore, then you wonder how, you know, is that... Is that basically the equivalent of maybe four or five humorous days? I don't know. but I just—I
1: I think it's very important. And I think uh, sharing and, and being humorous is a big thing. And I, I think in talks, having a, a little icebreaker or a laugh really makes it that much more important and makes that talk so much more meaningful. I, I think laughter is something we don't do enough. I think it's something that we really have to build into our lives because it's not something that we really pay attention to.
0: So agree. So uh, that was one of the pearls. So you said you'll share maybe two or three with us. So what's, uh, what's another one?
1: Well, well, let's go for another one. And I think this is something that's very fundamental. And that's gratitude, being grateful for the things we've been given. I, I think we all get so overboard about the things we want, rather than about the things we have. Corey, what are a couple of things you're grateful for?
0: Well, I'm certainly grateful these days, of course, for my, uh, well, we talked about this, but I have a, a two-year-old son, roughly two, two next month. Uh, so very grateful for him and my girlfriend, so our little family. That's one of the things I'm really grateful for.
1: Sure. And and at the same time, we shared how challenging that is at times with a two-year-old. But, you know, the joy that's there is is really great. My three-year-old grandson the other day, it was my birthday on May the 8th, and my daughter asked him, how old is grandpa? And he said, oh, that's easy. He said, how old is he? He's six. That, that's the biggest number he knows.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> He's six. <laughs> so
1: I'm grateful to be here today. I'm grateful to be able to say my message. And I'm grateful that I didn't have ALS and pass away in 2003. I'm grateful that the neurologist was wrong. And I'm grateful for every day that I've been given. I've been living, I've been giving a second chance, a second chance to even make it better and more positive for everyone.
0: So that becomes an important point too. In fact, uh, right here, I have my gratitude journal uh, right beside me. And I don't think it has to be a written one. It can be, some people can just do two gratitudes or three in their head a day. I don't think there's maybe any rules, but um, in terms of the power of gratitude, but do you have a practice or do you have a way that you make sure you're, you're, Say your gratitude or do you say it verbally? Do you write it or what's your process?
1: I I think saying it verbally is a very good thing, but I like to write it down too because I think writing is something that sinks at home. I, I think it's a very important thing to write things down. And I'd encourage everybody that's listening to this show also to write down a few gratitudes every day. It takes like 30 seconds. Yet it changes the whole day. It changes the way you're thinking every day. And that's pretty important.
0: It is. And you know what, Mary, it's funny. One of the biggest game changers of my life was having a mentor slash manager at the time that finally convinced me to write stuff down and not try to remember everything. And so, like, if you look here, this is actually, I feel like this, Brendan Bouchard, High Performance Academy. Uh, so that's my journal that I'm using presently until I, until I finish it. Then Brendan Bouchard, my high performance planner. Put <laughs> there, and then like, my gratitude journal. So, just on, on the desk in front of me now, I have three different things that I write on a daily basis, and they're probably the most significant thing I do. When people ask what what were the game changers, that was one of the biggest ones in my life was to start writing things down. So, not just gratitude, but everything. Um, you know, if I have my goals, my to do list, all that stuff, it's so much more powerful to me, at least. And by the way, I'm not that person. I don't like writing stuff down. That's not my natural. My natural thing is to do everything on the fly. But I had to go against my natural. And I found that when I drop off the system, I get less productive almost immediately. So yeah. I agree with you. And the writing it not just the gratitude, but writing down my to do list and that it actually gets it out of my head. But it also I think there's a powerful action in the physical writing of it.
1: And here's a pearl. I think writing it down is actually better than putting it on a computer. I find once you get on the computer, there's far too many distractions. There's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's everything else there. And I think the most productive people are the people that actually write it down.
0: So agree. So did you want to give us one more, Pearl? I think you said two or three. So.
1: Sure, let's go to the third one. It's one that I'd like to actually share a little story with. Um, the third pearl is enthusiasm. There's nothing in this world that beats enthusiasm. If you're enthusiastic to things, it really brings up everybody's level to your level of enthusiasm. And I'm going to story, share a story of, about a uh, carpenter, a carpenter by the name of Clyde, who at the end of his day was tired. He is beat up and he goes to his boss and says, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to quit and I, I'm going to retire. And, The boss thought about it for a few minutes and said, Clyde, you know, I'd like you to do one last job for me. Can you build me a house? I really want one last house that really would be something that I'd love to have. And you're the only person in the world that can do this. So Clyde thought about it and begrudgingly he did it. And every day he'd drag his ass to work. He'd barely make it successful. It, It barely passed inspection at the end of the day. And so when it was done, uh, the boss called Clyde into the office and said, Clyde, you've been my most loyal employee for the last 30 years. This house is for you. I had you build it so you can have this house in your retirement and enjoy it. This is a free gift. I hope you enjoy it very much. Now, there's a story about enthusiasm. If Clyde had carried his usually enthusiasm there, he would have had the best house on the planet. But it wasn't that way. So I'd like everybody to think about enthusiasm in their life, and everything they do should be done with enthusiasm, whether it's cleaning the toilets or sweeping the sidewalk or doing those mundane things. If you do them with enthusiasm, I think there's going to be a better world that goes on there.
0: Love that. And it makes me think of Think and Grow Rich, uh, how the very first, and I I would argue the most significant uh, law of success that Napoleon Hill delivered in that book was what he called desire. What, what we might call purpose, passion, your why, whatever you call it, uh, that was the one he started with first. And I actually believe that, you know, because I've, and you may not know this, Barry, but I've done over 5,000 one on one interviews. And so I built my own sort of Napoleon Hill esque type uh, research study. And the number one thing I've discovered is what we call your why or passion is the most common trait that the top achievers have, you know, in common. And, and when you think about that, think about everybody you know. How many people do you know? that have accomplished amazing, uh, wide, you know, mouth-wide open things, almost every single one of them was passionate about what they do. And so it's no surprise. But so I agree with you. Enthusiasm, desire, passion, why, whatever we call it, I think it's probably the tops.
1: I think so too. And, you know, we're getting close to the end here, but I'd like to give all your listeners a very, very nice thing. I've put together all my 20 golden pearls in a beautiful work of art suitable for framing. And I'd like to give it to all our listeners, all everybody out there that's going to listen to this podcast. And I'd like to do that per, per-, per- perpetuity. So I put this on a website, okay. 20goldenpearls.com. Simple to remember, golden. 20goldenpearls.com. Go there, fill out your name, and you'll get this sent to you digitally. Something that I'd love to give all my all your guests.
0: Love it, Barry. And in fact, that's the first thing I'm going to do when we're done here as well. Uh, I have a, as you know, I have a tiny break between this interview and another one, but I'm going to do that right after. Uh, but as we wind down, as we start bringing things to a close, I'm going to ask you what I call the the rapid-fire questions. They don't have to be, you know, your answers don't have to be super rapid fire. Uh, but uh, three, the three, I'm going to say, most common questions I ask people, one is, do you have a book that you recommend to people when they come up and say, Barry, what's the book I should read?
1: You know, I, the one of the first books I ever read uh, when I was going on to the self journey was The Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Hmm. It just, It just hit everything home and helped to sink everything home. I think that's a monumental book. Uh, But I'd like also to turn to Brendan Burchard for his high performance stuff. He has a great book out on that as well. So those two books, I think you can't go wrong with.
0: Awesome. Love it. Uh, Second question of the three is how do you define success?
1: You know, I think it's something that you got to remember. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. I think that's a very, very important statement. And thing is gonna, there's always going to be shit happening. There's always going to be stuff coming around and, and going on in your life. But it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens that's important.
0: I love that. And in fact, I just did a Facebook Live today about an equation called E plus R equals O. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Uh, nope. but basically, what it stands for is E is the event. So what you just said, shit is going to happen. That's the event. Uh, the plus sign is what I call the pause or the break. You know, the time you, after the event happens, the time you take to think about how am I going to respond to this. So that's the E plus. And then the R is how do you respond? Uh, so that's the R and then the O is the outcome. And so what this equation says is that if somebody cuts you off in traffic, that's the event, you get a chance to, to think about how am I going to respond to this? And the response you have will almost always dictate the outcome you receive whether Absolutely. it's a whether it's the price of gas, whether it's somebody cutting you off in traffic. Most people think crap happens to them, but I would argue that it happens. Then you get to choose, as you mentioned, what you do with that crap.
1: Yes, you get to choose the outcome. You always get to choose the last chapter. You always get to choose to write the last chapter. You should decide how you write it.
0: Love it. Uh, so the last official question is the time machine question, Barry. And so this is a question that simply uh, I ask, If you could jump into a time machine, go back and talk to a younger Barry and could give him some life advice. And here's it's a two part question. One, would you jump into the time machine? And two, if you would, what would you tell younger Barry?
1: You know, I think uh, I would definitely jump in the time machine. I think this is an opportunity that would be something you can't pass up. What would I tell the younger Barry, slow down, smell the roses, take a little bit more time and enjoy some of the things along the way. Don't keep running and hard as you've done. Don't keep trying to do things. Try to let things come to you. Uh, you know, I think life is a better place when you actually slow it down and learn to live rather than just do.
0: Awesome stuff. So Barry Leica, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, the unofficial final question, uh, you kind of already answered it because you gave us a, a resource that we can go to, but is there anywhere else, i.e. a website or anything where you would normally send people if they'd like to learn more about the, uh, the great work that you're doing or connect with you further?
1: Well, I'd say go to 20goldenpearls.com, get those golden pearls. This is also set up with some other messages so that you will then find out some other messages. Um, I also have a Facebook page that I've started called Living a Fantastic Life so that you can get there and and learn a little bit more about me. The website is just still new. I'm still developing it, but that's where all these golden pearls are going to be and more thoughts are this are going to be coming along as well.
0: Well, Barry, like I said, this has been an absolute pleasure, and we will do what we can to wave the flag and send people in the direction of grabbing their 20 pearls, and then also to uh, live a fantastic life on Facebook uh, under Living a Fantastic Life. So thank you. Fantastic.
1: Corey, it sounds like we planned this, and this was all impromptu. You know, It was all totally off the cuff, and that's the joy of this. I think we're on the same page a lot.
0: 100%. I agree completely. (laughs)
1: Have a great day.
0: You too. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to grab your free copy of The Book of Public Speaking at com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts,
1: visit c-suiteradio.com.